Hello, hello. Welcome to Irrepressible. I am Erica Ashley, your host. I am so happy to bring this episode to you this week. I had Stephanie Larson on the podcast, and Stephanie is the founder and CEO of Encircle. Encircle is a nonprofit organization that helps the LGBTQ plus youth ages 12 to 25, and they also provide resources for parents. The work that they are doing at Encircle is incredible. There's no other way, shape, or form to describe it. I want to share some of their statistics with you because their approach is unique, but it's also effective. And, and at the end of the day, that's what counts. LGBTQ youth is three times more likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual peers. Since opening their doors, any child who has stepped foot in Encircle has not been lost to suicide. They have not lost one person to suicide. That's incredible. 80% of people who visit one of their homes return 21 or more times. They have served over 70,000 people since 2017. They have provided therapy to over 5,000 people since 2017. And they average over 3,500 guests per month. I mean... It's incredible what they're doing. And I have been sitting on this episode for months now because we were waiting for an announcement to be made. And Stephanie talks about it in the conversation that you'll, that you'll hear in a second. But I wanted to share it here because I think it's really exciting news. And it just goes to show the recognition that Encircle is receiving and that people believe in them. And I believe in them. Anyways. The announcement was made last Thursday. Tim Cook, Dan Reynolds, who is the lead singer of Imagine Dragons, and Ryan Qualtrics sat down with Robin Roberts on Good Morning America, and they announced the donations that they are making to Encircle this year. Apple is donating $1 million and products and technology to help expand their reach at Encircle. Dan Reynolds donated his childhood home. And the Utah Jazz is donating $2 million, and they're also starting a campaign to help raise $7 million for Encircle. And I'm so excited for them. Right now, they currently have three locations. They're in Utah. They're expanding, expanding. Like I said, Stephanie gets into all of that. But I'm really excited for you to hear Stephanie's journey and how Encircle came to be and the work that they've been doing how they're changing lives, saving lives, what it's done in the community. Um, it's truly, it's truly incredible. And I know I've said the word incredible 900 times now, but I cannot find a better word to describe what they are doing. And I love being able to share that with you. So without further ado, here is Stephanie, but I'm really, really honored to have had Stephanie on. And she was so generous with her time and sharing the story behind herself and in circle. And so let's get into it. I grew up in Utah County, uh, in Utah. I grew up, um, Mormon. Um, I attended Brigham Young University for seven years. I was a family science major. And part of the reason for that is I think as a, as a Mormon woman, you know, you you really, the goal is to stay home and to be a mom. And I think that I, that was the ideal. And so I thought, well, no matter what, I'll use that degree. 
Um, and then I went on to law school. And after graduating from BYU Law, I moved to Washington, D.C., where I spent some time working on Capitol Hill for the Committee on Children, Youth, and Families, where we defended, uh, I mean, where, where basically we drafted legislation and fought for those traditional family values, which would also mean, you know, that very traditional family. Um, at the time, I would have told you that LGBTQ people chose to be queer or that they were sinning or that, you know, it was a, it was a, a bad thing. Um, then, you know, I lived in DC for a while. We defended abused and neglected kids, or I did while I was there and uh, worked for a lobbying firm, that sort of thing. And then when I had my daughter, Gracie, uh, I quit working um, and my husband and I moved to Texas. We had a few more kids and we moved to North Carolina. I had another and then we moved to Utah and had a few more kids. So I have six kids. Um, I moved back to Provo where, you know, where I was originally from that area and um, just felt back at home and enjoying life. And that was kind of be all before InCircle started. So then what sparked the idea for InCircle? How did you transition from growing up Mormon with the traditional values to creating InCircle? Well, I think the number one thing that happened is that while I was working on Capitol Hill, um, you know, back in, it was like 96, I met John Williams, who was my husband's uncle. He was a gay man who grew up in Grace, Idaho. And uh, he, he told me once that when he was in high school, he would have given anything not to be gay. No one knew, it was his secret. He served an LDS mission to London for two years. And he said he hoped that, you know, if he went and did that and did everything right, that he could pray the gay away. And he came back from his mission and, you know, of course he was still gay. And he went to Utah State where he was feeling a lot of shame and depression and self-hatred for who he was. Uh, he said he became suicidal. And that his sister, Sandra, who was living in Salt Lake City, saved his life when she came and picked him up and brought him to Salt Lake City. Um, you know, and so while living in Salt Lake, you know, he dropped out of school. He started, uh, he bought an old building, which is the New Yorker building in downtown Salt Lake, and renovated it and started his first restaurant, uh, which is the New Yorker, which, you know, came to be one of Utah's top ranked restaurants for many years. And um, so John becomes this renovationist. He created the Downtown Alliance. He won all these awards for taking old pioneer buildings and turning them into contemporary office spaces in the Salt Lake area. And then in many of these buildings, he put restaurants, which is now the Gastronomy Restaurant Group, which, um, you know, he, ha he had 13 restaurants in total. But for me, as I got to know this John Williams, I was like, okay, John is maybe one of the most Christ-like people I have ever met. He was the center of his family. He held this family together. He threw the most fun and elaborate parties. He loved art. He loved music. He just loved life and did so much for everyone and treated everyone extremely well. So I'm looking at him going, how could I judge him for his sexuality? when he's truly one of 
the kindest, best people I've ever known. So I think that was the beginning of a lot of my beliefs starting to fall apart and Mm -hmm. me starting to question a lot of the things that I grew up learning. Um, So I would say, you know, and religiously, there were a lot of other things happening. My husband and I spent 10 years looking into the religion, uh, studying history, um, just by way of a little side thing. Kind of what started that is that my husband had two grandmothers that were married to Joseph Smith. So Joseph Smith was married to his wife, Emma, and then he secretly married Patty Sessions and then her daughter, Sylvia Sessions, while both of them were married to other men. Oh my God. And we were like, what? Like, we never heard those stories growing up. Like, and so that just led us down this whole path of, you know, what what is really going what who what is our religion really what do we not understand what has kind of been wiped from that and so here we are today how do you balance are you still mormon you know i think once a mormon always a mormon mm-hmm. do i still attend church no um it got too hard because i just felt like my church was hurting people mm. who i loved um, you know, I think the the Mormon church has the best intent, but I guess I started feeling like this is not how my God would treat his children. Mm-hmm. So In Circle was born. What was it like creating it? Well, you know, I, um, I think that grow, in Provo, 85% of people who live in Provo are uh, Mormon. And I was afraid of first of all, what the impact would be on my kids. You know, my oldest was 12 at the time. No, I'm sorry. My oldest was um, 16 at the time when I started in Circle. And so I had all these kids that I'm like, wow, if their mom's the crazy lady in town who starts this LGBTQ center, like what what will that impact be on them? And, you know, I had called John. um, I was on a bike ride in Idaho. um, I think, uh, anyway, some years ago, I called John and said, hey, I think that Provo might be one of the hardest places in the country to grow up LGBTQ. And we have these two large universities, Brigham Young University and Utah Valley University, and a lot of other smaller colleges around. So hundreds of thousands of people student age, plus all these families, and there's not one resource. And there's kind of this dominant religion that is, you know, over the pulpit, telling these kids they're wrong and telling their families they're wrong and the community they're wrong. And so... I asked him if he would do something to help me. And he said, sure. And then I chickened out. So it took me two more years to get up the courage and to have a lot of other experiences within those two years that really made me go, this has, something needs to be done. So I called him back. And this time he said, sure, what are we going to do? So we came up with this idea of let's, let's do it in a home not a re- like not in a storefront or a resource center filling, but create a space that feels like home, looks like home for people in the community who maybe don't feel at home when they're at school or church or even in, you know, in their own neighborhood and homes. And so um, I went looking for a home and I remember dropping my kids off at school and thinking, okay, I want to restore a building with John because how fun would that be? So it's got to be an old home. 
And there's a, an area in downtown Provo that has all these cool, beautiful, old historic homes. And I thought that's perfect because it's in a place where people will see this home. It's in the city center of the community. People will not others, other, you know, it's easy to other people when you don't see them and you forget, like, you know, not in our community. So I wanted it in a place where people would drive by and be like, oh, that's the LGBTQ resource center, right? So the downtown Provo Temple was about to be dedicated. And I thought, okay, that's the center of our town. I'm going to start there and I'm going to go circle around and see if I can find an old home. So I drive past the temple. I hang a right, uh, you know, right after the temple. And there on this little hill is the cutest house I've ever seen. It's the only stick style architecture left in the state. You know, you look at the website, it's super cute, but, and, and I, there's two huge available signs on it. So I get out of the car, I look through the windows and there's rainbow stained glass windows in almost every window. Later I find out that a polygamist had built this home back in 1891. And you know, to me, it's very ironic that he was fighting for this other form of family, just as the, the queer community has been fighting for, you know, a non-traditional type of family. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I called John and said, hey, John, I think I found the house. So I get my, my video on my phone and I'm showing him and he's ooing and eyeing at the architecture of this home. And then I go over here and he sees the temple and he's like, no way, absolutely not. He's like, these kids are not gonna, most of them won't be out. They're gonna need a back door to slip through, you know, put it in the back of a neighborhood, you know, and of course you wanna put it across the street from the temple. So I'm like, John, Provo's ready for this. I mean, the thought just came to me that, you know, if you're a kid and if Encircle can help get their parents to understand and get behind them and to, to, to support their child, still, if you live in a community where you feel outside of that community and you feel judged, misunderstood, then you never completely thrive or you have to leave. Mm-hmm. We need these kids to stay in their hometowns. You know, we don't want to always lose them. And so he said, okay, sure. If you think, um, if you think Provo's ready for it, then that's great. And I was like, it totally is. I had no idea. I'd been a stay-at-home mom for 18 years, um, but it just felt like maybe that would make sense. Yeah. So we did it. And now you have? We have three. We have three. one in Salt Lake City and one in St. George. We're opening one in Heber this year and actually another one in Ogden and most likely Logan. We're hoping to get those three opened by uh, this fall of 2021. And what do you do within the homes? Like what kind of programs do you offer? Because I think it's really, I think it's amazing that you offer these programs, but I think what's extra amazing is that you offer programs for kids, but also parents. And I think that that is what makes Encircle unique. And I will tell you, when we first started offering programs, not very many parents came. Mm -hmm. But after about a year and a half, parents really started coming. And it was so exciting because once the parents are okay, the kids are okay. And and the other thing that surprised me is that parents sometimes are struggling, if not more than their kids. You know, they they are devastated. They're afraid. They don't know how to balance, you know, my religious beliefs with my love of my child. I don't want to lose either. And in circles, hoping that, hey, you don't need to lose either. You know, um, there's a way to love your child and your church at the same time. Many choose to leave their religion. Many make it work, you know. And so 
Um, what and, and it was fun because during COVID, parents were are the ones who are showing up even more than their kids. Like we will at times have over a hundred parents on one Zoom call, um, you know, discussing LGBTQ issues. And that's so exciting to see. But back to the question. So um, in the homes, first of all, it's a safe space. The kids, it's open from eight until from two in the afternoon, right after school until eight at night. And first of all, it's a place for the youth just to walk in and feel like they're at home and know that every day they've got a place where they will come and feel the love that we have for them. And, you know, they can just walk into the kitchen and get a a drink out of the fridge. There's always volunteers there making cookies or bread. Or last night I was in Salt Lake and they were making dog treats of all the things that they were going to give out. Um, But that's the first thing is, you know, a place to come and study, play the piano, go into the art room, make art, you know, meet new friends. Um, We second, we do programs. We have eight programs a week. Um, they range from art classes to music classes, writing classes, parent uh, programs, um, service projects, speaking series. And, you know, so each night there's something available. Um, and then the other thing we do is we have what are called friendship circles. Friendship circles are basically support groups. Each house has rooms for these support groups. We do 13 of them a week. Um, they average about 20 people per group. And, you know, I would say that they, I think, are one of the most important thing we're, things we're doing. Um, these young kids, you know, I think we do know that LGBT, on average, LGBTQ people realize by age 12 that they're lesbian, gay, bisexual. By age, they generally don't come out until they're 22. So there's this 10-year period where these youth have this secret. Nobody knows about them. Mm-hmm. And but I always think what's, what are they hearing about themselves in communities like mine during those 10 years from their aunts, from their teachers, from, you know, whoever in town, their parents, it's generally not positive. And so these kids are just feeling the shame and it's building up. And by the time they come out, there's a lot of damage that has been done. Mm -hmm. And so I think what happens in these friendship circles is that kids find a place instead of being home by themselves with a secret they're there and they look across the room and they see other amazing kids and they go, you know what, if I'm like them, I'm going to be okay. And maybe it's okay who I am, you know? And I would say generally when you're in the home, it's this fun atmosphere. It's, it's high schoolers being high schoolers, college kids just, you know, having fun together, but you get in these groups and they start talking about their suicidality. They start talking about the hard things that they think about themselves or the way their parents view them or whatever the case may be. And it's the safe space to find connection, to be authentic and to really, you know, these kids will be throwing in their phones, but text me next time you feel that way. I'll help you. I've been there. I get this right. And they create this really tight group. So they're not, don't feel alone and isolated. That was a really long answer to what a friendship circle is. But the other thing we do is therapy. Uh, When we started in circle, I didn't know if anyone would show up. We started out with one therapist and by the end of the year we had 15 because people were coming from all up and down the Wasatch Front um, to receive therapy. And so, you know, therapy is really one of our, our strongest components in Encircle because, you know, we have some of the best therapists in the state. These kids, you know, are our most vulnerable. And so we make sure that they have people who are really well-trained and experienced in helping them and their families. Um, and then the last thing that we do at Encircle 
is we, we spend a lot of time creating educational materials. Anything from videos about people's stories to pamphlets to books, you know, in the hope that people will go home and instead of just looking at the LGBTQ individual the way that maybe their church told them they should see them or they grew up hearing in their family or community, that these educational pamphlets can help them look at this in a different way and to understand the science behind it, to understand, you know, how do we better support the community and to just to answer a lot of questions. So that was a long answer again. <laughs> a lot of really good resources. And you guys also do the summit. Yes. How did that get started? You know, it just, we thought, well, you know, we're only serving kids in Provo. Maybe we could reach out to kids and take in circles to these kids from all over the state. So I think we've been open about 10 months and we decided to do it. We did it at Utah Valley University the first year. We didn't know if anyone would show up. And about 300 to 400 kids from this all over the state came and we brought in speakers and musicians and whatnot. And, um, but by year three, we, uh, we had 2000 kids at the Adobe building that they, you know, let us use. And then we had another thousand parents and educators at a building down the street, um, at the podium building with speakers and, you know, the parents get educated all day long by speakers who are, you know, either PhDs or have a lot of experience in the area and, and helping the parents better understand and learn how to better support their kids. And then, you know, the kids are just upstairs or up the street doing workshops. We, we fly in, I think last year we flew in probably 20 LGBTQ stars or influencers so that we can give these kids like, look, you can be like them. You've got a, a great life ahead of you. You know, and, and, and I think doing these um, in buildings that are big companies helps these kids understand, I can get a job in a place like this someday. The, this, you know, Adobe cares about me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's those messages we're trying to make sure the youth know is that they're loved. Mm-hmm. I think it's really inspiring that you bring in these stars and influencers. I think somebody like Dan Reynolds, who I know you've worked with a lot, it, you know, when you see somebody who's had success, like he has, but knows that he grew up in a similar situation in that community, I think it brings those dreams back down to earth for kids of like, I can do this too. Yep. You know, I will say Dan is one of the most incredible people that I've ever known. He's on in circles board. You know, I help with love loud, but you know, as I have watched him, heart is just like, he just cares, you know, and I think that my husband and I, for years, we talk about when is there someone with a real voice, you know, that people will listen to, will stand up for this community and and say, hey, we're not doing this right. And I think that that's what Dan has so remarkably done is used his voice and not just his voice, but his time and his money and, um, you know, everything to helping. And he's made a huge difference. You know, I think he's really sparked a lot of conversations throughout not only Utah, but the country and doing what he's doing. I think so too. I've seen it from him on Twitter. Um, You know, it's not just, he's not making it this like small community. He's really growing it. And I think that's amazing for you guys too. It is. We're, we're very lucky that, you know, Love Loud started right after Encircle opened and we've just kind of partnered through things. That's been great. What's next for programs or what's coming next for Encircle? 
Yeah, um, this year we will be expanding therapy throughout all of rural Utah, which I think is really important because, you know, some of those kids are three or four hours out from being able to reserve services. And that's one great thing that COVID taught us is how to do better there. Um, we're releasing a second book. Um, we've got some more pamphlets coming. Um, we're starting a cafe in Salt Lake City in the home because the homes sit empty, you know, until two o'clock. And we started thinking, you know, this is a way to get people from the community into the space. They can see, you know, what the queer community looks like, you know, and get to know them. And it will provide jobs for young LGBTQ people to work in the cafe. Um, it will also help bring in money to pay for therapy for the youth. Um, therapy is very expensive and we just thought this is a way we can supplement it and we hope to um, you know open cafes and the, the upcoming homes as well um, but probably most exciting this year is the expansion that we're planning on um, we have been really fortunate that we have got some really incredible people who have reached out and say we're we want to help one of those would be Tim Cook at Apple um, Apple's donating a million dollars to Encircle this year as well as a hundred thousand dollars in a tech or a product which will help our therapist in particular be able to reach youth in rural utah and their families um and then uh ryan and ashley smith who are the founders of qualtrics and then now the owners of the utah jazz are um giving even more money than Apple. We're still working on the exact final number, but it will be close to $2 million to start a campaign um, to raise $7 million to build seven Encircle homes. And so we are just so excited because we've seen the impact. You know, we've seen that when these kids have a place to come, they walk in when their head's down, maybe the first day. And after a few weeks, you know, they're smiling and they've got friends and they're laughing and they're enjoying life's life. You know, I think the thing that we're probably most proud of is that we have not lost one of our youth to suicide. Um, you know, once you find connection and community again, and you start to realize that you're an okay, if not wonderful person, you know, that people want to live. And so, you know, we're excited that we can bring this to more communities. We plan to open three homes in Utah this year and to have Apple and Tim Cook come out and do the ribbon cuttings. And so it's going to be really exciting. That's incredible. I have, I have chills. Like that makes me so <laughs> me excited. Too. I can't believe it's happening. Um, you know, cause you really hope that you're building a product that people will understand that this is something that works and you know, helps. And, you know, it's been the, the neat thing about Encircle is every home is like community built, community run, community led. And really it's hundreds and hundreds of people who have come together to say we can do better for our youth, you know, and they should feel loved and accepted and they should never feel shame or afraid to come out and tell people who they are. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that because of COVID, you've been able to create more online resources. What does that look like for you? Like, how did that change for you? Well, you know, we closed a few days before Utah schools closed. You know, I was in Salt Lake one night and I left almost in tears because I was so excited that there were like all these kids crammed in the art room, making doing the art night. And there were 
there were so many they'd moved out into the piano room and then into the kitchen and then there's kids making um they were making quesadillas and cookies and you know i just remember leaving with them like oh this is so fun like they're coming and having fun together and then the next morning i woke up going oh my gosh this is like the perfect place to spread covid so you know because it's just that's part of encircle is man you hugging and being close together and you know it just Anyway, so we closed the houses that day, and um, that was in March, and we did not open them until October 20th, but we did because the therapists were saying, listen, there's more of a risk of not opening and not giving these kids a place to be throughout this cold winter, mm-hmm. and that, you know, they, they felt like youth were really struggling, so we opened them back up. We socially distanced. People wear masks, but they can come and be in that space and, you know, connect with people every day. Um, but while we were closed, we off- we still offer all of these things online. But while we were closed, we only could do things online. So we figured out how to do teletherapy. You know, there's a lot of laws around making sure that it's confidential and secure. Mm-hmm. And we got our teletherapy up on in line, online, you know, in a, a couple weeks but within the weekend, we had all of our friendship circles and some of the programs online. We were, Throughout the time we were closed, we did uh, 28 hours a week of online programs so that youth sitting in their homes could at least see their friends and, you know, meet with the d- directors of the houses and, you know, just check in with them. And um, so it worked out, you know, I think really well. Um, it's not the same as being in the homes, but hopefully we'll have, you know, programs back in the house again soon. And, um, but with having the online resources now, do you, are, is Encircle open to anyone outside of Utah or is it more community-based? No, it, it's people show have shown up from truthfully all over the world mm. um, and the United States. So it's been really a great way to give support to someone, you know, who may live in Alabama or, Texas or, you know, we've just had, especially with parents, a lot of parents have come from, you know, outside of um, Utah. I would say most of the youth are, you know, from Utah, but it's fun when you see someone from somewhere else. Utah is kind of like the center for you because of how you grew up and all that. Do you think that you'll ever expand past Utah? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I think in the, probably in 2022, we have plans to open outside of Utah and Um, So we're excited about that. As an ally, what do you see more of a need for from us to help support the LGBTQ plus community? Well, you know, I think that I would first say that, especially with young people, I think, you know, in conservative communities, they generally think, well, they probably don't support me, this individual. So I think when people, you know, wear like a rainbow ring or, you know, have a a rainbow something on their backpack or, you know, maybe on their car or an equality something or other, just letting people know that you are a safe space, first of all, I think is, is really comforting to people. And it also says you're someone I can come and talk to if I need someone. I think that's a great way. Um, You know, I think, I think that people sometimes need permission from other people to love better 
look at things differently. Um, I think Encircle has been really fortunate that we've had a lot of community leaders step in and say, hey, I want to be a part of this in some way. I want to help. Because I think when you get someone, you know, like we talked about with Dan Reynolds, who's saying, listen, let's do better. And I totally stand with these kids. Other people kind of go, hmm, I wonder why he does. And maybe I should, you know. And so I think that being vocal about it, you know, and talking about um, having good conversations around it. it. We like to say that better conversations in Encircle lead to better conversations throughout the community. Um, I think that communities sometimes, we just say the same things over and over again, and we believe that that's truth. I guess an example of that would be my whole life, I grew up hearing, well, people who are gay are, are generally abused as children. The data and the research shows there is no correlation between someone who's abused becoming gay or lesbian. Um, and so learning, you know, educating ourselves so that we can correct some of those fallacies, I think is important. Um, you know, I, I think those are two really good things. I think if you work in a business, helping to get your business to have an employee resource group that supports the LGBTQ community um, is another good way. Showing up at Pride's, um, those would be my suggestions. Yeah. I love the conversation one. I think so many things change through open and vulnerable conversations and spreading, you know, information like this and talking about it and sharing that with people. Um, because I think what you said, a lot of people are nervous to be the first one to speak up. And so mm -hmm. if you can be the first one to say, no, we're good here. Like, this is fine. I think that, I think it creates confidence in other people. I think you're right. And, and, and then they look at things a little differently than maybe they had before. You know, when we were renovating the house in Provo, our first one, and I was scared to death thinking, can you open up an LGBTQ center across the street from a Mormon temple right now with the climate of things and make it a place of love that's positive, that's a real resource to the community, not a place of anger and feeling like, you know, we want to scream across the street or they want to scream across the street. And um, this young boy, Jacob Dunford, who um, came into Encircle, you know, in the first few months, came up with this slogan of no sides, only love. And, you know, it was funny because my husband, like we'd been doing Encircle a couple of years and my husband's were like, you know, like a circle, Encircle has no sides. And we're like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. We never thought of that. We were just thinking of like, we're not going to take sides here. Mm -hmm. This is about meeting people where they are, being culturally competent. And so that's what we try. Everything we do at Encircle is neutral. Like I will tell you that sometimes it takes a mom or a dad a year after their child comes out to dare walk through that door. And we want to make sure that when they do, they feel loved and supported right where they are with all their beliefs and their whole self. And that we will sit with them and listen about their fears and their concerns and that they will have someone to say, I understand that, you know, and I've been there and, you know, let's talk about this together in a way that isn't confrontational, but is, you know, meant to create more love between everyone. And I think that that's the approach that's really working well. Um, 
if you don't mind me telling one more little story. Absolutely. So we rely on volunteers. And when we were first opening the house, we put up a Facebook message like, hey, we're going to rip out the old carpets and appliances and the old jacuzzi tub or whatever it was. Come and help between whatever time on Saturday. And I thought, no one's going to show up. But like 50 people showed up with their families. The next time we did it, we, you know, we had up to 150 people who would show up. They can fit in this little 1800 square foot house. So we're out doing yard work and whatnot. But I guess my point is from the beginning, the community in Provo showed up and you, we didn't know they would. And then we start a volunteer program as soon as we open because we rely on volunteers, mostly because when a volunteer is in, in circle, Maybe, you know, it's a Tuesday night at seven and there's a volunteer there helping a young individual with homework. That's sending a message to this youth. You are cared about. I love you. I'm not getting a paycheck to be here. And that also helps break down that belief that my community doesn't care about me. And it also helps us, you know, have conversations that educate our community. So during this volunteer training, um, it's, it's on Saturdays. It takes about three and a half hours. Um, you know, we always go around the room. Why would you want to be an encircle volunteer? And, you know, we will have like 50 people there who tell, you know, their brief story of why. There's always a parent who, I have two kids who are LGBTQ. I lost a child to suicide. I want to help. You know, I'm a, a BYU student. I need internship hours. I'm curious. You know, it's across the board what you get. But one time we're going around the room and this man says, I'm here because the LDS church is killing our kids and I want to do something to help. The man sitting next to him says, well, I'm an LDS bishop. I'm the first people people come to, you know, the youth come out to me first. The parents come to me first. I need to understand this. I need to be educated. I need to get on the right page to help them get on the right page. The man sitting next to him says, well, I'm gay and I'm in a Mormon bishopric. And I almost bust up laughing because I'm like, holy cow, we have everyone here, right? <laughs> like it was so fun to see that everyone like felt safe to come and tell who they were. And, but I think that that's what's working at Encircle is everyone who comes, they put their differences aside and we agree on one thing. These kids are valuable. They should feel loved and supported and we can do better. And so that's kind of what you feel when you're in circle, I think, is this real sense of love. You know, I sometimes feel like it's coming out of the wall. Um, so anyway, that's, that was a very long story to say that it's really been exciting to see the diversity of people who come and give their time. So I just want to ask if you've received any, maybe when it was just in the beginning stages, if you received any backlash, because I think when you have a success story of like, look where in circle is now to know that if there was that it didn't deter you and look where it got you. But if there was, how did you move past it? Well, I thought we might be picketed. I thought I might myself and my family would get some negative comments or feedback. Um, none of that ever happened. I feel like I've seen the best in people since the minute this happened. You know, 
from day one, I would go and ask people, will you donate some appliances or give us a better cost? Oh, well, we want to donate them and we think you should get better appliances. You know, we will do, we'll put in the tile for free. I mean, it's just been an outpouring of love and help since the beginning. Um, you know, I would say that like one story would be this. We've had some parents who have been upset and this would be an example of that. Um, there is a, a young boy from just south of Provo who was kicked out of his home one November because he came out as transgender. Parents were upset. They kicked him out. He ends up living, moving into an, a, another church member's house um, and was there for about oh, six or eight months. But during this time, every day at two o'clock, this young boy would walk through the doors of Encircle and start making cookies and stay until we closed that night. And then would go back to this home where he was living. And um, in January, the police show up at Encircle to serve a protective order to this boy saying, you cannot get within 500 feet of your parents' home. And the parents were afraid of the bad influence that this boy would be on his younger brothers and sisters. And during these months, I am just like mad, like who does this and what are people thinking and why would they treat their children this way? And then it's like April, May, and we're in the, the home in Provo. We've got the door shut in this main room, having a meeting with the therapist. And this young boy like comes pounding on the doors and is like, I have something to tell you. My dad's coming, but don't be afraid this time because I talked to him last night and he wants to learn what makes me happy and try to figure this out. And so we're like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. This is so great. And you must be happy and whatever. And he shuts the door and leaves. You know, I kind of forgot about it. And I walk in the kitchen and here's this boy with his dad making cookies and I meet the dad nicest man just a good guy like and all of a sudden you're like he's not like who I thought he was and I think that what this man and his wife were doing is they thought that would be best for their son you know maybe tough love and like what you're thinking isn't right and you know what I mean like so that's what I've learned is mm -hmm. I've never met a parent who doesn't walk through the doors with the best intent, wanting to help their child. And sometimes it takes a community and it takes all of us to come together to help those parents, you know, cause it's scary and it's different and it's new. And so, yeah, I would say I've just learned that people are good and we're all trying through this. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Where can everybody find Encircle and you? Well, Encircle is, uh, our website is encircletogether.org. Um, you know, you can get on there and you can read the pamphlets online or you, you can order them. Um, you know, it shows all the programs and what we do. Um, encircletogether.org, I mean, encircletherapy.org is where you could sign up for therapy or, you know, you can get to therapy from our website as well. Um, and it, you know, that the website will give you, you can like tour the homes on there and get a, an understanding of what they're like. Um, maybe that's one other thing I should mention is, you know, 
when we did this, John Williams had just passed away and he had left $100,000 to help get this off the encircle off the ground. And his death was untimely and tragic. And so everything I did was like, what would John do if he were renovating this space? And I still like to think, you know, how would John work? You know, what would he do with this hard situation? Because he was just a wise, um, loving person. And so, you know, in, in designing the home, you know, it would have been beautiful. It would have been full of art. It would have been nice in every way. And so as people were offering me, hey, I have this old couch, you know, we've got this chair that was my grandpa's, you know, I was like, oh, that's so nice, but, you know, thanks, we've already got furniture. Anyway, we put a lot into designing these homes. And the idea behind that is for the youth to feel like they have a space that is they're proud of, that represents them, that they're artistic, that they're classy, that they're important. And we want to send a message to the parents in the community. These kids are valuable. They're worth investing in, you know, and maybe try to help overcome some of those stereotypes that a parent might think, oh, I'm so scared. I'm walking into this gay house. You know, what's it going to be like? And for them to kind of, you know, go, oh, maybe I haven't seen this right. So I don't know. That's just another small part that these homes are a big part of it to us because they reflect a lot you know, on, on who these people are. And they are beautiful. They're beautiful homes. They're yeah. Yeah. They're, they're fun. And I think the three that we're building this year, this year, we're, the three that we're doing are not old. They're brand new. We're going to try a little, I don't know. We're going to try a few that are historic homes, even though that would be my favorite, but sometimes it's hard to find the right location. Yeah. So awesome. Anyway. And then are you guys on Instagram as well? Yes. Um, ooh, I think it's in circle together. It might just be in circle. Is that embarrassing? I just follow it. I don't know, but um, I'll link it in the show notes. So don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. And we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, but mostly Instagram is, you know, our, where we hit the hardest. Awesome. Thank you so much. No, thank you. This has been so fun. And I just appreciate you letting me tell in circle story. 